In this episode of Industries at Work COVID-19 edition, the Council's Membership Development Director, Ken Haltenhoff, talks with Kevin Clary, Vice President of Risk Management and Premium Audit at Amerisher. Focusing on manufacturing, they cover the effects of COVID-19 on everything from the global supply chain and changing regulations, to operating safely in risk management, to claims activity in major lines, and carrier capacity and appetite. Take a listen. Let's just jump right into it. In a broad perspective, how do you see COVID-19 impacting the manufacturing manufacturing industry? And maybe more specifically, some of those, those individual lines of general liability, workers' compensation, DNO, and business owners' risk. How are they all being impacted? I think the impact of manufacturing is going to be extreme, uh, and the longer this goes without a treatment or vaccine, the more severe it's going to get. So with that, so with the question of what does this mean for coverage, I think if we look at each one individually, and we, you know, we'll start with comp, because comp is the, the, the big mover, right? And I think the impact of comp is going to be tough. Um, some states aren't going to support comp coverage, so there isn't a potential impact to the loss ratio. But what's more likely to happen, I believe, is significant reductions in sales and payrolls in the comp market, which, you know, which in turn, this is going to drive pre- premiums down. I mean, we're already projecting about a 15% uh, decrease in, in premiums as a result of exposure and work in 2020. And if this continues, it could get worse. This, this reduction in premium has impact on individual risk performance, which, which would, could impact rates to manage their book. One of the probably worst case scenarios I think could happen right now for the consumer policyholder is that you're probably going to see a significant, that is if you see a significant market hardening, which I believe is likely, uh, not only do they, do you, do, does a policyholder or manufacturer have to balance safety, which comes at a cost, decrease in sales and possible shutdowns, reduce shifts, and their costs are going up, while at the same time, and the insurance market may harden. So what you may have in the comp market is it's kind of a competing priorities, right? You have increased costs, lower sales, um, and you may have a hardening in the market, which could put, which possibly could put your manufacturers in, in just a tougher operating uh, stage. And, okay. worker comp, I, and, I, and we believe that worker comp will be at the forefront of that. It's gonna be really leading the leading line and the impact on COVID and manufacturing. Um, you know, when you talk when you talk about general liability, um, you know, we think unlikely that CGL will be impacted at the premises level. Companies are starting to take action. They're starting to understand the exposure um, liability uh, standpoint outside sources coming in. So we feel, for in terms of the industry and manufacturing. Um, CDL probably not as much of a, of a problem on the premises liabil, uh, liability just because the virus we're learning more it doesn't live uh, long enough we believe on services and, and true contamination issues mm-hmm. seem less besides um, you know direct uh, direct exposure um, where we think you're probably going to see challenges with uh, the CDL is on the uh, is on the premium reductions and exposure bases. Uh, and again, as sales are decreasing, re- decreasing on the product side, uh, we feel that really the probably the key area there is going to be quality. Um, you know, we've embraced globalization and manufacturing, right? So as this pandemic sweeps the sweeps the world, 
Um, what happens now to that global supply chain? Does the quality of materials um, get impacted? Uh, what are our manufacturers doing on our end? I mean, we know they're going through quality control process to, processes today, um, but we feel that the quality chain will be challenged more uh, due to the supply chain um, inconsistencies as a result of the virus. So, you know, bottom line on CGL is premises, we feel probably not a big impact. Product, um, we worry about the back end of that on the product liability end of just the supply chain and the consistency of the quality of that supply chain under the globalization um, in other countries, that type of thing. Will this bring manu will it bring more back to the United States? Uh, we don't know, um, but uh, that could be a strong possibility um, in the issues that are faced today with globalization. What's really unique to manufacturing is the reliance on the supply chain and the globalization of that supply chain. And then you're going to have to start thinking about things like trade credit insurance and reduced capacity for that and how accounts receivables are impacted and, and how the whole process might have to be looked at. What other um, unique risks would you say are affecting manufacturing specifically compared to the other verticals that you're looking at? No, absolutely. And that's a great question. You know, in, in AmeriShare, we insure many different types of industries, but our target markets are manufacturing, construction, and healthcare. So that's the core of kind of what I compare things to. Obviously, mm -hmm. you write other uh, industries. Um, but manufacturing, you know, like you said, it has some commonalities, but it's also unique in, you know, in multiple locations. Um, different state regulations where, you know, before you always had to worry about state regulations. Um, but certainly now in this uh, COVID uh, stage, they're changing dramatically from day to day, week to week, right? Um, and so you really have to keep up on that if you have a multiple plant locations and really address each one individually. Um, but more importantly, probably with, uh, with uh, manufacturing is enclosed spaces. Um, and that's the real challenge. Um, you know, construction, obviously, outside a lot more. Healthcare is much more controlled and smaller um, groupings and things. But in, man in manufacturing, you have your building, right? Um, you have the close proximity. And that's really, I would say, um, the most unique thing compared to, for manufacturing compared to the others. Because you, you have no alternative. You have to operate in a closed uh, location with multiple people. And we're learning, right, that that's really the highest risk exposure there is for, to spread COVID as far as, you know, as we know today from the information. So it, it produces really the highest risk situation. Um, yeah, I, I mean, putting a lot of people on an assembly line floor um, in one building with one central air system, I think that's probably the last place a lot of people should be during the pandemic. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, and, you're, and now, you know, the band of that, you do have some things you can do, right? So now with uh, uh, enclosed building, you know, interior operations, you can look at your filter system building, go to a higher filtration. Obviously, all costs money, um, but you do have, you know, obviously there is some controls and options that you have out there, but it is certainly a huge challenge um, and why I recommend to any agent uh, any clients of the agent policyholders that they engage um, the risk management loss control departments of their insurance carriers because they can they can offer them a lot of assistance in this in terms of 
what they're planning and what they plan to do and then offer recommendations and those types of things. Um, so I think that's really important also to, to reach out uh, the agents, brokers, reaching out to the carriers and partnering with them to help out their policyholders, I think is a real key part of this also. Yeah. And are you seeing a lot of your manufacturing clients actually closing down during this period or are they falling into that essential business category and just finding ways to operate throughout everything that's going on? Yeah, I would say by and large for our experience at Amerishare has been they've been they've been continuing to operate um, at a very uh, decreased level. Right. Not as many people on the shift, social distancing in place. Um, but I would, you know, and I'm estimating, I would probably say at about 40% at the most capacity. Um, and, you know, it really depends on the state. Um, in yeah. the South Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, which we have a lot of business, um, it really hasn't stopped uh, at all. <laughs> uh, uh, they have pretty much been maintaining the same frequency, at least in our experience, where in the North, um, it has been a little more start and stop, I guess is a, a better way to say it. Um, but right now, um, pretty much they're all up and running, but at limited capacity in, in our experience with our with our policyholder set. That seems to make sense with what I'm seeing on the news every day. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of claims are you seeing? Have there been any lines that have had a noticeable increase or de decrease in volume? Yeah, I, I mean, that's a that's a great question, a question I get all the time. And, you know, I'll address it by the major lines we service, which, you know, I, which are really the major lines, comp, auto, liability, and property. Um, in workers' comp, uh, traditional workers' comp claims for us have decreased. Um, of course, we've had an increase in COVID-related claims because we never had COVID-related claims before. Right. Yeah, um, right. But 90% but of our claims uh, that we're receiving uh, under comp are healthcare related. Um, and healthcare is only about 10% of our total business. So, you know, so what's that mean? It means that healthcare is the hot spot. The exposure is everywhere, obviously. Um, but in terms of just claims, uh, it is 90% of what we've seen in claims is healthcare um, related. And that'd be like nursing homes, hospitals, uh, those types of things. But traditional COVID claims in comp, for manufacturing, um, they've been minimal for us, um, very minimal. Um, we have gotten a lot of notice only, they think they have COVID, then they test it, um, and it's not, you know, so we get a lot of that. Um, but in, in generally in comp manufacturing, we have not felt a big increase. Um, we don't do a lot of Main Street retail business in comp where obviously that would have been hit harder. And so we don't feel that. So I don't have the knowledge on that part of it. I know it's higher in those areas, but for us and my knowledge, uh, it has not been a, an issue in manufacturing. Okay. In, in auto, interesting, because I think everybody in the industry, where none of us were excited about the pandemic, but obviously, but one of the uh, benefits we thought was maybe some relief in auto uh, auto loss ratio, right? Because less yeah, cars sure. on the road. Well, what we're seeing and, and the industry seeing um, is the frequency down, obviously, um, but severity is up. Uh, right. And so severity has been an issue, as we all know, in auto, you know, for the last, you know, numerous years, just uh, the increasing severity with auto accidents. 
Um, and what we know now, because you know we've been in the uh, pandemic long enough, is that there's less drivers, and we all know that, but they are going a lot faster. Um, mm-hmm. And so the lift in terms of claims, there's less, um, but we are seeing uh, very uh, severe claims from what we've seen before in our auto accidents in our commercial uh, business. And then the other part is I, I just uh, saw in the industry yesterday that the largest um, uh, tracker of miles, you know, telematics, they do a billion miles every other day tracking, is we are almost back based on their um, research and their data to pre-COVID levels on auto, uh, meaning so we're not far back to getting back to normal in terms of auto right. on the road, you know, type thing. But bottom line, frequencies down, severities up because of the speeding, the speed. It's interesting yeah, that we're all we're all really learning how much of a uh, safety measure traffic is in a day to day basis. You know, we all sit there and we are upset we're stuck in traffic, but now we can actually look at this data and see how many how many lives have potentially been saved by bad traffic lanes. <laughs> yes, it's it's a it's a double edged sword, right? But you're but you're yeah. absolutely right. I mean. You go down a freeway today, it's gotten better the last, you know, 60 days in Michigan. But 90 days ago in Michigan, they were bare. I mean, you could drive through rush hour times and there was no, practically no one on the road, you know. So, yeah. um, and, you know, the industry will tell you also that the, the police officers, the enforcement is not as high because they're trying to avoid uh, personal contact as well. So unless it's real severe yeah. incident, um by uh, enforcing the road laws as much either in, in terms of what that's the feedback we get from the industry. So. Yeah, and I'm really interested to hear that things are getting back to their pre-COVID levels. Uh, you know, driving around now, I just wonder where everyone's going in a pandemic, but everyone <laughs> right. is, uh, everyone's got somewhere to be, I guess, and it, it's at that level that we were before. So I, I think that's a good barometer as to public perception of of the, the situation overall. No, I believe I believe you're absolutely right. Absolutely. And so kind of that consumer confidence, right? Uh, uh, you know, mm-hmm. concept is it's coming back to the to uh, to the country, right? Yeah. Um, and people feel a little bit more confident. We understand the virus a little bit more. Um, and so I think that confidence is uh, is uh, gaining, which is which is a good thing um, for the yeah. economy and I think for our agents and our policyholders. Well, I know there was a couple other lines there that you mentioned um, that you were looking at, but I want to go back to those COVID-related claims that you were mentioning in COM. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to someone that is filing, is there anything that's unique to COVID-19 in terms of proper documentation or financials or records that a business, one of your clients, um, should be thinking about before they file that COVID-19-related claim? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, if they're filing a comp claim, and I'll just say no matter the line of coverage, really, um, we'll talk a little bit, obviously, about non-comp, but, um, you know, obviously, it's detail is, is the king. As much detail regarding the exposure is critical. I mean, making sure you're keeping document, document, documentation related to furloughed workers as well. So, a little bit different there is, um, and why I throw this in here, because I think it's real important, Karen, is, um, so you have a COVID claim and that's what we're talking about. I, that, I believe you follow the regular procedures. If you would follow a claim, you contact your agent, if that's what you typically do or broker, 
um, and you, you utilize the process that the carrier and the agency has laid out. Um, and that's pretty will cover you in comp. Um, the other part, while we're just talking about documentation, though, is I wanted to talk a little bit because it's come up a lot. And it's okay. how do you handle uh, furloughed workers, right? So, okay. um, so a man, and I'll just use the example of a manufacturing facility, right? Uh, the pandemic hits. You're now going down to, uh, you know, you're going you're gonna to release 40% of your workforce. You know, worst, terrible scenario. We don't want it to happen. Um, but that's the analogy, right? You're going to, you're not going to, you don't want to release them. You want to furlough them because you just don't have work now because the account now, this was obviously prevalent probably two months ago, but it's still out there. Um, and you want to retain those employees. And, you know, so you're laying off 40% or furloughing, sorry, furloughing 40% of your workforce. Do you want to now, do I have to, as a policyholder, pay the exposure on that? Um, and the way we've addressed that as a company is what we've said is document. Document your furloughed workers, dates they went out, dates they're coming back, um, and then make sure that you include that as well in the documentation to your broker and carrier um, so that they, they can adjust any um, exposure uh, decreases on that, which in this time, I believe with the pressures of sales and all that is, is a real advantage for a broker and a policyholder um, if they can document that well um, and then show that to the carrier, I know with Amerisher, we, you know, we will obviously audit that and um, uh, adjust based on the reduced uh, exposures of the workforce. So I kind of threw that one in there, sorry, but I just, you're talking about documentation. I thought that was important as kind of part of this uh, to say that, but I will say again with COVID and workers comp, uh, you should uh, file as you, file as you usually do a workers comp claim if you're, if you're 50 percent, uh, you know, should I or should not? Uh, I always say, and we always say, file the claim, um, notice only, whatever it may be, um, to get that recorded and uh, with your carrier. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of businesses out there um, that are furloughing workers for the first time. You know, typically, if you don't have the work, then you're going to be laying off individuals. But we all know. I guess we're all crossing our fingers that this is more of a temporary situation than not. And so it's putting those manufacturing owners and operators into uncharted territory. So I, that, I think that's really good advice you gave on the furloughed worker situation. Yeah, yeah and, and, and the bottom line is document, 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 right? Um, and if you do that, uh, when your premium audit uh, team comes in from, you know, Amerisher or your carrier, um, you're just going to be in a lot better position to uh, hopefully get those exposure reductions. Now, do you see COVID-19 impacting the capacity and appetite of carriers that specialize in manufacturing? Uh, yeah, I think the short answer to that kind of is yes. It's likely going to be capacity and likely controls. Uh, you know, the question, right, is how long? Right. You know, is this, will this become permanent or is this an aberration? Um, if it, you know, if it continues with limited control and no viable vaccine in sight, you know, I think you have to look at it really two, two ways. One is smaller carriers. You know, your smaller carriers, they may not be able to adequately accept or cover for risk. You know, say if you had 500 plus employees in a plant at a given time, that type of exposure just may be too significant for them to take it on. You know, so then what are they going to do? They'll go behind the scenes. They'll get, they'll, they'll get reinsurance, right? Um, which typically will 
will drive up costs, right? If you're if you have to go to a reinsurance contract uh, as a layer um, for these more regional type companies, um, you know the carriers are on are under intense pressure to accept uh, communicable disease exclusions uh, in our most recent rounds of our reinsurance negotiations. Um, if these contracts that provide smaller insurers, you know, provide regional insurers. Uh, the capacity that they need to write, you know, those larger risks in that kind of 500 plus worker scenario with a single location, um, that could become a significant challenge for those those regional carriers. You know, then when you talk about like a national carrier level, uh, uh, you know, company, uh, you know, it's it's different but it's similar, right? They don't have to probably worry as much about the 500 workers in a the plant. They have to worry about the 50 risks that they write in a state that maybe has 50,000 employees, right, at an aggregate level. So they still have to address that exposure, whether you're kind of a regional carrier or you're a national large carrier. It's just two different ways to look at it, right? The smaller guy uh, carrier is looking more at an individual risk location. A national carrier is going to look at more what they have as an aggregate. Um, and so, you know, so they're going to have to look at reinsurance as well at an aggregate level. And anytime that happens, right, it's going to drive up costs uh, and it'll decrease capacity. Um, so, you know, long answer to a short question is, um, yeah, we, we do feel uh, it, it is going, it is, it will impact uh, capacity and appetite. Depending again, like I said at the beginning, um, on the duration of this thing, of this uh, pandemic. I think you also have to think about in that arena in terms of coverages and lines is business income, right? right. So, yeah. You know, if there's any, you know, if there's any success, you know, to sufficiently change the coverage triggers on policy, policies where a virus is now considered compensable, you know, which we have seen in some states. In Michigan, we we've seen it with healthcare workers, right? Before the pandemic started, so take for example a shutdown. What happens if is a shutdown once? It has the pandemic stopped and now we shut down and open back up and now right. are we coming back? Is it a, is it a one occurrence? Is it two occurrences? You know, <laughs> these are all things that the industry is kind of figure out on the go right now um, type of thing. Uh, so it just adds a lot of confusion uh, in specifically in, you know, a bit the business income uh, structure. Uh, you know, the cha- arranging straight structure potentially actual actual actuarial rates are going to change. Yep. And so what you'll probably start seeing on the business income side is a lot of product updates, a lot of coverage type updates um, that we feel is going to probably trickle through uh, fourth quarter, uh, quarter one, 2021. Q1, 2021. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah. you've touched on a lot there and a lot of it is just the confusion and the ambiguity around uh, when is this going to end and what is the response going to be from a national and a state level until it ends. And as you Correct. said, it's, it's constantly been changing. I know it's, it's different from Michigan to Illinois to Ohio to Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, a, a lot that, that will change between now and when this is, this is over. It's got to make it a, difficult thing to stay on top of and then to advise to your clients. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the unique situation, right? We're always in the, in the pace of change, right? Is, 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 is extreme for in our world, you know, the last 10 years, right? With technology booming. Um, 
but this is just right something we've never faced before as an industry um, and as a and as the manufacturing segment um, and so you know you hate to say it but we're really figuring this thing out on the fly as, as we're going through it because we have no other alternative at this point you know? so i think my next two questions i'm really going to condense into one because it, it sounds like most of your manufacturing clients uh, really didn't shut down fully um, so there isn't really a reopening as much as there is scaling back up but when you're talking to um, these businesses and Amerisher is advising them on risk management practices that they need to have when they're ramping back up or if they've been de deemed essential and they never really change you know what is that advice that you're giving them um, so that they can stay operating in a safe way for their employees I will tell you now, there is some really good resources out there. Um, we have a very comprehensive back-to-work plan uh, for all industries, manufacturing also specifically on Amerisher.com. So anybody has access to that and can access that, like I said, on Amerisher.com. The other real key area that I've been uh, monitoring and have contact with is trade associations, um, mm -hmm. manufacturing associations. They're really now starting to provide some good resource on specific industry and it's obviously manufacturing one of them. Um, so if you have a local manufacturer, a state manu uh, manufacturing association, national manufacturing associations, um, industry specific within manufacturing verticals, uh, they are, what I'm seeing is they have some really good resources specific to your type of manufacturing um, that really help our plan much like a lot of them out there right now, address all the key areas, everything from uh, bringing employees back uh, to uh, vendor management, vendors on site, um, you know, really covers everything. I, to give you an idea and why I can't kind of give you the whole, uh, I guess, give you the whole recipe here is our plan has, I want to say, 22 different sections in it. Now, you oh. may not have to have, utilize that plan, all 22 sections, um, but, you know, what we've tried to do is really provide that resource to a manufacturing customer facility that they can take and choose what they need based on their operations. Um, but the key, obviously, is, you know, is following your state guidelines. And we're all pretty much in the now. We're social distancing. No matter what state you're in, you are going to have to solve that issue. Um, and that's probably one of the biggest key areas and right with with not excuse me, not surplus with your production lines um, and different things like that. I mean that is a major uh, a major operation for a policy for a manufacturer to do. Um, but uh, there is tons of great resource out there today, and that's what I recommend. Like I said, because um, it's so comprehensive and there's so many things that you have to think about um, that you have to rely on on your uh, carrier partners, your brokers, your agents as a uh, manufacturer to help you help you get through this and, and, and you know, make sure all your bases are covered in terms of risk and exposure. Yeah, now seems like certainly an opportune time to remind all of our clients that, uh, you know, we're not just here as in the insurance industry to um, help you out when things go terribly wrong. We're also here to help provide guidance and advice and value to you uh, to prevent those situations. So your back to work plan, uh, you know, working with different trade associations is a very proactive approach to, to doing just that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you said that said that very well. I, you know, I, I look at this as for our our broker partners, our agent partners, for our for the for the carriers. This is our opportunity, right? This is our opportunity to really show um, the manufacturing segment the resources we have, um, and that we're not just a backstop when an accident happens. But we do have a prevent. We can help you, uh, you know, be safe. Uh, help you run your operation the most efficient and best way you can as a as a policyholder and as a client. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's like anything, right? Uh, bad things do give you opportunities. And as an industry, I think we we have tons of resources. We have uh, our our intentions are good, right? Loss reduction, prevent yeah. loss, um, and we can really take advantage of this situation and and, and really be there to help uh, help out our, the businesses. One of the more interesting stories that I heard of throughout this related to manufacturing is those manufacturers that um, you know saw that their that the the item that they were producing wasn't going to be mm-hmm. in demand, or they thought that they could contribute to helping be part of the solution to the pandemic. And specifically here in Maryland, where I'm talking to you from, we had one tequila distiller that retooled their assembly line to make hand sanitizer. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know we made tequila in Maryland. That's something new to me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I could imagine that the operator of that plant is thinking, you know, we're only making slight changes to the production line. Um, let's just go ahead and do that. I'm sure the insurance guys will be okay with that. But uh, I'm thinking from our standpoint, there are probably some questions and conversations uh, that a plant owner should have with their broker or their insurer before shifting production like that. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And we've, you know, we've had a few of these situations in our manufacturing uh, book here at Amerisure. And so, you know, I'll, I'll give you kind of how we've approached it, uh, how we've approached it as an, as an insurance company. Um, you know, my my guidance would always be get with your agents and your and your carrier involved in the in the early discussions, okay? Um, mm-hmm. So that the policyholder can see the impact of any things that they're going to change. Because really, at the end of the day, if, and you know, you use the hand sanitizer example, and we've had several yeah. manufacturers switch to hand sanitation in in various you know in uh in 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 various states. So it's really what's what's the change in the operation? So now bringing in, you know, and I'm making it up, combustible, flammable liquids into the operation. So what you really need to do is be upfront with your agent and carrier and getting them involved so that they understand the changes to the current operation. And if they have, and once they have a good feeling for that, then they're going to help you. I mean, I can speak for Amerisher. I can't speak for other carriers, but the conversations that we have are that we want to be as receptive as possible as a company to these operational changes. You know, because what they're doing by and large is good for society, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic. So the way we're approaching it as a carrier is get us involved early. Let's understand the differences and if it increases in exposure, decreases in exposure, and let's help and work to figure it out together um, so that you can move forward as a, as a manufacturer. And, and, and you know, it, and, and we look at that as, as it's good you know, in, in the current situation. And we want to do everything we can to help facilitate that manufacturer. Um, and so bottom line, get the carrier, get your agent broker involved early. Um, and, and I think it'll be a much smoother process. 
Um, and you can utilize the, the manufacturer can utilize those resources as well to help design that, um, the design, the space as well, if they're changing the production line, those different things. Um, but my, my experience with AmeriShare and within the industry is, is carriers have been very receptive um, to uh, working with you, working with a policyholder or a manufacturer to, uh, to uh, adjust the process and, and keep moving um, without skipping a beat. I think if, if all the plant operators and the owners uh, within the manufacturing sector do everything that we advise here, you know, talk to their broker, uh, consult with the carrier, um, use the resource centers that everyone has provided in terms of how to mitigate risk, there's going to be uh, a lot of learning going on from these clients. They're going to come up with a lot of new questions to ask related to their insurance. They're just going to understand, I think, what their insurance uh, brokers and carriers can do for them uh, that they may have not realized uh, in the past. Do you, do you mm-hmm. see do you see a change in um, the way that this industry buys insurance and what type of coverage they're going to be considering in the future post pandemic or maybe even as we go through you know the remainder of the pandemic? Right. Now it's a uh, it's a great question, and uh, yeah, I, I, we believe it's going to change. Right, and the billion dollar question though is right is how, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, the belief. Yeah, right, right. The belief is, you know, and we believe ultimately it's going to get a. I mean, we believe ultimately it's going to get back to a sense of normality. Right. Um, we hope and we pray. Right. And, and, and you know, and Congress, I mean, is going to institute something. We believe like they did with terrorism. Right. There's going to be a, 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 a pandemic, we hope, uh, and there's discussions now about a pandemic backstop like TRIA, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, this will probably be inadequate for insurers to tr- truly, you know, to protect them. So, so they're going to have additional reinsurance, driving up costs, right? Or we will only offer small sublimits per policy basis, right? So you may only get $50,000 coverage uh, in a specific year for, you know, pandemic-related exposure. Um, we're seeing some of the ENS carriers may come to the table and offer broader pandemic type offerings. Um, and these can already be purchased through like a Lloyd's today. Um, but there's a, you know, and, and actually I was going to mention also, you can, there's a great article actually out right now. Uh, and if anybody wanted to do a little research, they could look up on Wimpleton, actually the golf tournament and how they got uh, coverage for the pandemic. Um, and, and it's just a very good case study for our brokers and agents out there listening um, if they want if they're interested enough in to to look it up but it's the Wimbledon pandemic cover if they want to look it up but it does give you some good insight on how it was handled over there and kind of the changes in that coverage over in Europe now we haven't seen that here yet obviously um, but it gives you a little bit uh, you know of insight um, you know you'll probably see obviously a little bit more expensive um, disease-specific pol- policies rather than like broad pandemic policies um, would be our guess also um, mm-hmm. as you start to look at really how's the pandemic shaping coverage, shaping um, how policies holders buy it. And, and you said earlier, Beth Ken, I think the brokers, the agents, the, the, cust- the, the manufacturers and the carriers are going to be asking a lot of different, a lot different questions moving forward, right? Uh, yeah. Where this wasn't even a consideration six months ago, uh, 
you're going to have, a, we believe, a lot more specialty type coverages, um, you know, uh, for, for in the market as, as we move forward for, for pandemic type response or coverage. I, I think you're right. I think we'll be seeing a lot of uh, inquiries about, you know, pandemic coverage in general. People don't want to see this happen again, but um, it's, you know, the, the, does the chicken come before the egg or vice versa? Because <laughs> right. the appetite for the carriers may not be there unless something like a TRIA solution is figured out so that they feel more comfortable taking on that, that extra risk. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, you know, in this pandemic adds a little, you know, fuel to that fire, meaning um, things are changing so fast, right? And even within mm-hmm. states and governments and, uh, you know, as I alluded to earlier, how in Michigan, uh, the governor ordered us to pay workers' compensation on healthcare workers. I'm not saying yeah. that's right or wrong, right? But what I'm saying is, is we didn't plan for that. We didn't price yeah. for that, right? right. So, so why I think it's good, it's just from a, a carrier side, you just didn't prepare for that kind of exposure and or payout. So that uncertainty, I think, is going to drive a lot of what's going to happen in the future, right? Um, and also, you know, there'll be some feel, right? You may see some specific coverage in this area. I, I guess, lack of a better way to say, a, a testing of the market for different types of coverage. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah, an incremental approach just to figure that out. Well, um, hopefully, Kevin, uh, as you said, uh, we'll get back to the sense of normalcy here before long. Uh, we'll see. Um, but that's all my questions that I have for you today. I thank you for speaking with me and for sharing your insights to the broader CIAB community. I think uh, there's a lot here that um, can reaffirm what our members know and possibly some new insight, some new questions and answers for them to think about. So, Kevin, thank you again for being here today. That was the Council's Ken Haltenhoff talking with Kevin Clary, Vice President of Risk Management and Premium Audit at Amerisher, about ongoing manufacturing activity. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to check out the rest of our Industries at Work COVID-19 Edition podcast series.